I, I cannot create the ambiance and the atmosphere that I feel is possible in here today because we haven't done this before. And I know I'm like already at the edge of like, you are weird because you're just, you don't even have a band. <laughs> I just want to say what I envision for this time is just a chance to, I mean, short of a Q&A, which would be fun too. That'd be a lot of fun to do. But I'm not going to go that far probably because of time. But I do have some things that are just on my heart, my fatherly, worshiply, no, that's not a good word, but heart, and I want to share with you about worship. And, I, and it won't be anything you haven't heard before, but I'm hoping to give you some analogies and some direction that might be a little bit different. Um, but I've got a, I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous with slides. I pulled out a bunch of pictures, and Ian, God bless you, sir. Would you put up that first one? Because I'd like to, sh to share with you a few things about what I feel worship is and maybe different ways that we need to view it or ways that we have viewed it but haven't done it or thought of it for a long time. If I had come today to talk to you about the ocean, which, by the way, I did not, but if I had come today to talk to you about the ocean, I would do you a, a supreme disservice if all I talked about was the surface of the ocean. If I talked about wave patterns and, and currents and uh, water temperature and things like that. As important as that is, as real as that is, in terms of being a part of the ocean, there's a lot more to the ocean than the surface of the ocean, isn't there? How deep is the ocean? How much water? I was looking up online. How much? I, I didn't write it down. I just couldn't count that many zeros, the number of gallons of water that are in the ocean. They said, you could fill up this number of milk jugs with ocean water. And just like, I'm not going there. I do know that the, the Mariana Trench over by Guam is like seven miles straight down ocean water. You know, down to where there's creatures with big... Anyway, but if I came... To, <laughs> I warned you. If I came and we talked just about ocean and I were to share just about the surface of the ocean, I would have done you a disservice because... There's so much more. I don't even know what per percentage of the ocean the surface is, but nil compared to the vastness of the ocean, the depth of the ocean that's beneath it. Take a look at this second slide because this kind of gives you a feel for the real substance of the ocean. This is where I would love to go sometime. If I ever get a chance to go down, I'm going to do some deep sea uh, diving or snorkeling, at least something, because I've, I was in Hawaii for three years, and that's where I heard about Elam and heard about the Lord, and I got saved over there. And so I did some um, body surfing on the North Shore and did some fun stuff back when I was younger and flexible. But I love down in the ocean. I, I, in fact, there's, there's like this, you ever, you ever been one of those boats that's got like the clear bottom? You can go out like in the coral, and you can see like for 90, 100 feet down. I want to do that. But that's the real glory, if you will, of the ocean. It's the depth, it's the substance, it's the depth, it's, it's, it's the mystery, it's the magic, it's the life that's down there. If you just look at the ocean, you look at the little ripple on top, that's cool, and that's part of it. But the surface doesn't tell you the whole story. Are you ready to pray? All right, Jesus, we want to go to a depth in you, not only here in this time, in this chapel, but in our entire life. We thank you for the surface, and we thank you for the external, and we thank you for the things that we can see.
that are obvious to our five senses. But we thank you as well that there is a depth in God and deep calls unto deep and the deep in us calls unto the deep in you only because you, having first loved us, that we can love you back. The deep in you has called out and is calling out a depth in us. And in regards to our worship, we ask you that you'll take us deeper than the surface. Thank God for the surface. But we ask you to take us down, deep sea diving, snorkeling, dip down in a submarine, down into the depths of your presence, your love, and your heart. To that end, Father, open up our hearts today to hear, and even in this very different atmosphere, I pray that every one of these students and staff in here would get something today because you're here. And when you show up to the party, everything is good. In Jesus' name. Amen. The thing about the depth of the ocean is that it holds up the surface. Now, that that doesn't take a rocket science to think about that. If it weren't for the depth, the surface would be the bottom. (laughs) Oh, cool. I just thought that one up myself. (laughs) Wasn't that impressive, John? (sighs) But because we have such an amount of water where the real mystery and the real life is happening, that's what holds up. Now, you can only see, if you kind of just go out there swimming or boating, whatever, that's what you see is the surface. You're going to have to get dressed up like this guy to go down to get into the depths. I want to, as a worship leader, as a worship director, as a worship teacher, I want to, I want to take us, I want to continue, not today. Today is my chance just to talk to you about the concept of worship and educate you again in the, in the, in the uh, reality that there is more to worship than music. And some of you, and I'm looking at some of you right now, especially over in this area, that are going to be in the days to come doing the, oh my goodness, Nate and Vivian, how blessed. We're so glad you're here. We got more worship people right there. But this is, I think this is something that, that the body of Christ, and you can do it in different ways, Eve. I'm just saying, oh, did I mention your name out loud? Amanda, same thing. Um, I think this needs to be done. And I know that I'm, oh, worship emphasis chapel. Yeah, man, we're going to just rock out. We're going to dance. We're going to, and here I am with my unplugged acoustic guitar, which he's going to do something with. We're not sure what. Didn't even know he played guitar. Cool. And here we are. Because there has to be an educational element to this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love that. All your soul, your will, your mind, your emotions. But all your mind. You know there's a place to worship God with your mind, with your intellect, with logic, with reasoning, with thinking, and with educating your mind to understand more. Because we, together, the word is plural in the Greek, we, together, have the mind of Christ. That's what that means. We have, we are, we, each one of us contributes something. So I am here to contribute something before this semester is over. And it's just about over. And all the people said, amen. You, are, you, are you ready, by the way, for it to be over? With mixed feelings, Yeah. Yeah, but I don't have that paper done. I don't have that. Anyway, so you got the ocean. You got the depth of the ocean. You got, but there's so much more to the ocean than the surface. Now, can I make the obvious application? There's so much more to worship than the surface. I'm going to give you three analogies today. By the way, I'm going to talk and sing and then talk and sing and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Not much music. Weird. Not much music. 
I'm just going to share. And I'm just going to let us at times just listen to God. Jake's just pacing back and forth, and you just keep doing that because that just keeps me like a pendulum and a clock, just back and forth. Because God is with us right now. And I'm hoping that you cannot come in with expectations that are causing you to be offended at this point. I'm hoping you just come in here and say, Lord, I just want you. Whatever the, the worship emphasis thing means, I want you. So here we are. Okay. I talked to you about worship. Now, there is a surface. What, what do you think are some of the, the external? In other words, the surface is the part you can see. The surface is the scene. It's the external part, the visible part. What are some visible expressions or visible aspects to worship? When you look at the whole worship thing, what are the parts that you can see or hear? The audible, the visual. Singing. Thank you. Pardon? That's right. Flag-waving things. Chris, sounds like you might have some... uh, Well, anyway. (laughs) Just saying... How about the band? How about the uh, worship songs that we sing? All the stuff that, that we usually associate with worship, and it's wonderful. But it just happens to be and needs to be in the realm of the scene. It's on the surface. That's crucial stuff. But what you need to realize is there's more to the ocean than the surface, and there's more to worship than the surface, and just that which is seen. I want to talk a little bit about some of those depths, because the heart of something is the center, isn't it? Where is your heart? You have one? Yeah, healthy heartbeat. You got a pulse? Alive and kicking? Well, alive, okay. All of the aspects that you can look at in terms of music styles and worship leadership and, and um, philosophies and uh, band configurations and, and all this different stuff in terms of, of music and worship, worship expressions. Do I lift my hands, clap my hands? What do I do with my hands? What do I do if I jump in? You know, all that stuff is, but it's all external. It's crucial, but it's external. I'm saying there's more. There's more. This is really important underneath that you really can't see and hear, and that's the depths. And you have to eventually get down to something and realize that it's the depths that hold up the surface. It's the ocean beneath that holds up the surface of the, of the ocean up on top. So the heart is the essence. The heart is the core. The heart is central to anything. And so there's a heart of worship. And you know the song, Matt. I'm going to sing the song in just a moment. But heart... The heart is, is it, and just like the ocean, the heart of worship is not found necessarily on the externals, on the visual, on the surface, on the scene, because the heart is deeper. Let's just do this. I was going to be, be like your mom, Samuel, and wear one of those cool things over my ears, but I thought I would probably mess it up. I've done it before several times, but just old school enough to... To do this, we're gonna sing. Come on, sing this with me. Um, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. 
You know, years ago, in fact, seniors may even remember this. I forgot how, how many years ago it was. I've been around too long. But we did that song in a, a worship set once, right up on this platform behind me. And I had it all planned out beforehand. But we sang the song through once, all the way through, both verses. Then back to the top again. And we started the second time through singing those words. Remember that, CC? And the music, you probably were the guitar player. Yeah, you were, you were. On cue, I had the worship team, one at a time, put their instruments down, stand up, and walk off the platform. So first it's like a full band, vocals, guitars, drums, everything. And then as the song is going on, the first verse is going on, people are like, and it's kind of like a shock, a shock value out there because they're like, they're leaving. They're offended? What's going on? Because the band is literally walking off the platform until it's just me at the piano singing the song all by myself. And I was just there. And then I stopped singing. Or I, I stopped playing. Then I was just singing. And then I stopped singing and stood to my feet in silence. Literally, everything was stripped away. The music faded and everything was true. I'm going to say, I know that has a certain dramatic value to it. Yeah, but it was a teaching point. And I wanted them to see it then, whoever you were then. But anyway, I think it's an important thing to realize that that's exactly... And Matt Redmond had something there. It's important to realize that this is something that God wants. It doesn't mean every service that you do this. But it means that there's something here that we need to be aware of. That God is looking for more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. Is it true that God wants more than a song? Can you be happy with that? You search much deeper within through the way things appear, and you're looking into my heart. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait. He's looking through, beyond, past the way things appear. Put up that first slide, would you, Ian? If I see the sky beginning to darken and the clouds are forming, it appears that the rain is going to fall. Do you have that slide? You got a nice ocean there. There it is. All right. What do you think is about to happen? It's going to rain. I don't know, because it's not raining yet, but it appears that it's going to. All right? So I'm looking at something and saying, hmm, seems to be going in that direction. Give me the second slide. Thank you so much. If I see a long line at Starbucks, it appears that chances are I'm not going to get my coffee anytime soon. Now, I don't know that, unless I butt in the front of the line. But the way it appears, not getting coffee today. And if I see a group full of people with their hands in the air and they're singing and eyes closed, it appears to me that they're worshiping. I don't know. I don't have like this worship meter. I go up and, you know, like an old Star Trek thing I can gain, you know. I don't have a worship meter. But it appears to me that there's something, and I hope that there is something going on there. But see, God is not restricted to the way things appear. Because I can fake appearances, can I? We're all kind of good at fakers if we want to be. We want to make things appear a certain way. Whether it's a rainstorm or whether it's, you know, a group of people or whatever it is, a line at Starbucks. The fact is we have to look at things the way that they appear. But God doesn't have to guess. and God doesn't have to wonder. Hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get my coffee this morning. I wonder if they are worshiping. He doesn't wonder. 
Because you search much deeper within through the way things appear. And this is scary, but true. You're looking into my heart. Aren't you glad that only God can see into your heart? I mean, really see into your heart? Not just the stuff that you'd like to show people. Hey, look at my heart. Yeah, well, you, it's kind of like Facebook. You put the best stuff out there, but nobody sees the other pictures that got deleted. You just take the one that's like, ooh, that's what I really want to look like. God sees beyond the way things appear, and he looks into our heart. And that's comforting and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad you don't have a worship meter either. But I do have discernment, and I do need to, as a person, as, a, as somebody who teaches worship and leads worship, it's important that we under, understand this in terms of the human dimension. But I need to know this about the God dimension, that he is not in the dark about me, that he knows exactly what is going on. You search much deeper within. He's the one with the scuba gear on. He's the one down in the depths. He's the one who's looking me eyeball to eyeball, heart to heart, face to face. He knows exactly what's going on deep down inside of me. Through the way things appear. And if God is going to grow in us a heart of worship... And he desires to grow, and I use that term, I'm going to talk about a garden in just a minute. If he desires to grow within us a heart of worship, he always begins with your heart. He begins with a human heart. And that's the place that he works. Because worship from my heart, or worship in spirit, is the heart of worship. That's the heartbeat. That's the throb. That's this thing. That's, you're alive today. I'm sitting there looking at you. We're having this conversation here, at least one-sided conversation, because your heart is there and your heart's working. And worship has a heart and worship has a pulse. And worship, and it's not just the rhythm of the drums, that pulse. I love that pulse too. But there's a pulse as we're connecting with God in worship. There's a pulse. There's a connection that God wants to make. But it's deeper than the surface. Get your scuba gear on. We're going down. You need to go down. You need to learn that, that the surface stuff, the band, the configuration, all the different stuff that we have there, worship expressions, all this stuff, it's beautiful and it has to be there because it's biblical and it's wonderful and it's humanly necessary for me to have a place to express. But the fact is, there's a depth. It's a little mysterious because it's down there. It's like water, a lot of water. A lot of God, a lot of stuff going on. I'm not sure what's all going on down there. I do know that it's holding up the visual. And one thing I'm going to say today, if you recover different, different analogies, is this. If you have a surface and it's not being supported by the unseen depths, you got problems. If you have all the right externals in your worship that are going on, I mean, like, the best of the best, the band, the songs, the every, everything is like phew, amazing. But if it's lacking something down here, God is looking through our heart. He's looking through the service, looking through the experience, the concert, whatever you call it that we're giving him. And he's saying, hmm. Because he, God, God knows too much for his own good. In other words, he can't not know every single thing about you. Maybe he'd like not to know everything, but he does. He's omniscient. So knowing all of that, see, God is easy to please, but he's hard to satisfy. 
So he loves every little step you ever take towards him in terms of your heart, your intentions, being, you know, loving him and serving him and giving yourself to him. But he also doesn't come to the place where he says, okay, good, you're done, go home. There's a zeal and a passion in his eyes for you. And you think, well, I've given you my all, I've given you my all. And God says, just keep breathing. Just wait, because there's more coming. And you're going to come to another place soon, as a matter of fact. You're going to just realize there's more in the depth than you would imagine and more that God is calling forth from you. And that very attitude of consecration and, and surrender and sanctification, if I can use that word, needs to be reflected in our worship as much as everything else. It is not just a concert going on up here when there's actual people up here. It's not just this musical thing that we do our thing. That's wonderful and that's essential and necessary and biblical. But the fact is there has to be a substance and a depth. And if we don't have the depth, we're going to have problems. Give us that verse, that slide, would you, Ian, on um, John 4.23. The time is coming. Here's what Jesus says about worship. It's essentially spiritual. And this is what characterizes the true worshipers the Father is seeking. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers, now, by the way, is now, 11.23 a.m. on National Star Wars Day. You thought I'd forgotten all this time. May the fourth be with you. This characterizes the true worshipers father's looking for right now right now hello today the time is coming when true worshipers here's what they're going to do they'll worship the father in spirit and truth and that's what the father's looking for who will worship him in that way god is spirit so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth this is the worship that pleases the father and it comes from the worshipers that god calls the true worshipers and true worship is not generated by a drum set or an amplifier or a click track. It's generated by the Holy Spirit in the human spirit of a lover of God. In other words, it's under the surface. It's deeper than just the external surface of things that I can see. Now, we're not talking about surface now. We're already beginning to... We're going down. We're going down. The bubbles are coming up. We're going down because we need to get to the heart of worship. We need to find what this thing that God is after. It's not an issue of new songs and old songs, not an issue of fast songs and slow songs. It's an issue of what's the pulse? What's the heart? What do you want from me, God? I don't want to get into this now, but Micah in chapter 6, verse 8, Micah had been finding some way, I am going to get into it, obviously. Micah had been looking at some way to, to, to worship God, to please God, and he said, God, what is it you want? If you want... Uh, you want 10,000 rivers of oil? A quart was all that was needed for the actual sacrifice in those times, according to Leviticus. But he said, you want like 10, I'll give you 10,000 rivers. Is that what you want? Is this more oil? Do you want my firstborn? Do you, shall I kill my firstborn like Abraham thought he was going to have to do? Is that what? He said, God, what are you looking for from me? And I think that that cry needs to be in our heart. Now bring that into the New Testament out of the rivers of oil. But we need to have something in our heart that says, Lord, what do you want from me? Because the worship that I bring, I really want to be pleasing to you. I want to bring you a sacrifice. I want to bring something that's blessing your heart. Come on, sing this with me. I'm coming back to the heart of 
worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless. You know this verse, by the way? Second verse? Or is it getting too old? I hope not. King of endless. See if I know it. Worth. No one can express how much you deserve. We're talking to him now. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song. And I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. And you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Let me talk to you about a garden. That was my ocean analogy. Well done, Dick. Thank you. Another good analogy, though, is the garden. There's a verse. If you'll put that up, Ian, thank you so much for doing this. He doesn't have any idea what I'm going to do next, except he's got a bunch of pictures up there. And I appreciate him so much. Isaiah 61:11. Here's what the Lord gave me to tell you. As the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow in it. In the same way, the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before the nations. Now, there's three important things to learn. Give us the next one to the, the picture. There it is. Hello. This is a garden. You guys ever had a garden before? Ever grown a garden? What's your favorite thing to grow in a garden? <laughs> Weeds. I'm an expert at that. <laughs> Three things that are really good to know about a garden. First of all, everything begins underground. Everything begins down in the depth. See where I'm going? See the ocean and the garden? Ah, he's connecting the analogies. He's cool. All right. All right. Everything begins underground. It starts deep down inside, and then it begins to spring up. So you put the seed in the dirt, and you wait for it. But that's the second part, and it's kind of hard to do. Number two important thing that I learned about a garden is that the growth process of bringing stuff up from underneath to the surface, sometimes it takes a long time. If you've grown a garden, you know that it's like, this takes time. Can you put up the pumpkin picture? You got that there? You got that there? All right. This isn't actually me, but it's me wannabe many, many years ago. Because I used to love to grow pumpkins. And I never had that many. Um... But I used to go out, because I was just a little, little guy. I'd go out there, I had to dig my own little plot. I'd get the shovel, and the shovel was taller than I was. And I'd dig up the little ground, and I'd, you know, and then I'd put the seeds in the ground, and, and, and I, you know, I could pat them down, go in, 
get washed, go to bed, come up. And the next morning, here's my, here's my ignorance. Here's my gullibility. I come in the next morning, and it's like, where are they? It's like someone stole them during the night. And I would, like, get down in the ground, like, dig around. And just, he's just laying there. The same seat I put in the day before, just laying there. I said, I would, I, I stand on my feet, my little barn boots on, like that guy. What's wrong with you? You're supposed to be up. You're supposed to grow. I put seeds in the ground. It's supposed to grow. What I failed to realize was there's a certain time element here. There's a growth principle in all of creation that stuff takes time. Now, if you want a dandelion, just mow your lawn and turn around and look because right behind you is another dandelion. <laughs> it's already grown up. But you want an oak tree, it's going to take a while. So things vary according to what it is. But the fact is, it takes time for the stuff that's underground to come up. The third thing I, I realized about a garden is once that growth pops through the ground, they, ooh, my pumpkins are up. Well, yeah, but they're not orange yet. They're just a little green sprout. But once it pops through the ground, there's a really cool and necessary relationship between the sprout above the ground and the root below the ground. I'm making a connection here. If the wise and astute among you are seeing this, but there's a, in other words, the seed was not done and the root that formed that shot is like a root went down as the, that sounds like a song. The root went down and the plant came up, but I won't go there. Do you see how it's important to have the root underneath in the unseen part? It's not enough for the seed to say, okay, I did my thing, the pumpkin's up, and then like leave. In other words, what does the root that's now come out of the same seed that the sprout went up and the root went down. What is the seed providing now for the plant on top of the soil in the visible above the surface? What's the root providing? What is it? How about stability, nutrition, stuff like that? In other words, that's where the plant gets its food from in water and whatnot up through the root. So it's still there. So there's a relationship. It supports and anchors and nurtures the fruit. So Again, I didn't understand as a little kid. That could have been me. Matter of fact, light hair. I didn't ever have that shirt. But anyway, I didn't understand the growth principle. And what you have to realize is that we're not talking about pumpkins here or even deep ocean diving. We're talking about worship. And we're talking about the relationship between the seen and the unseen and the top and the surface, and the things that I can see with my five senses, I can see, touch, taste, everything else. But there's a depth in worship, and because it's a spiritual activity, there are things that you're never going to be able to see with your, I was going to say five eyes, with your, wow, with your five senses. Hopefully not five eyes. That's scary to even think about. So a garden takes time, and it takes patience, and it takes watering, it takes nurturing, it takes care. And that's what I see. You know, we, we have, I live right over there on McDonald Drive, 7 to 8 for McDonald Drive. And we've been there since 1994. So we've long since learned. But the fact is, about early March, we came out, all of our flower beds, and if I showed you pictures of you of our flowers from last year, it's like glorious. I mean, this is incredible. We had great, my wife is an amazing gardener. Gardenist, garden, anyway, she's a good gardener. <clears throat> and so, but we go out there in February, it's like, or March, it's like all those places where there were beautiful flowers and green, it's dead, it's dark, it's lifeless, it's frozen, it's hard. 
What we did not do, however, is like, quick, honey, get in the car. We're going to Lowe's or Home Depot, whichever you choose. We got to get more bulbs because there's nothing happening here. We learned our lesson. We went back in the house and waited until spring. It was like a kid's book. We went back in the house and waited, and the sun came out little by little. We got the rains. Did we get the rains so far this spring? We got a few rains. We got some sun. What happens to the soil? It begins to warm up, all right? So now the surface that I thought was like, oh, we got, honey, we got to get more bulbs or seeds. There's nothing happening here. Just wait. Just wait. The seed's already in the ground. The bulbs are already down there. And then the crocus come, pop out. And then the tulips, and then the daffodils. And now, if you went down to our house right now, you could walk through, it would be like a glorious museum of beauty, colors popping everywhere. It's a wonderful thing. We really did nothing. Now we're weeding it because the weeds are like, oh yeah, we're going to kill off those dandelions. We're going to, whatever. But the fact is, there's a growth principle at work. Sometimes you just have to be patient and wait for it. And the same thing is true with your worship. According to what I see in this verse in Isaiah 61, as the soil makes the sprout come up, and as the garden causes the seeds in it to grow, in the same way, the sovereign, this is what God is growing right here. He's using a simile. Does that ring any bells from English class? Like and as, all that kind of stuff. Okay, it's like an analogy or a comparison. He's saying, you guys understand gardens, right? And we say, all the people said, amen. We understand gardens, okay? And the cold, hard ground, but the cool things that pop up eventually. He said, as the soil and the gardens do that for what is planted in them, so, or in the same way, the Lord, the sovereign Lord, is causing righteousness and praise to spring up from the nations or before or in all nations. So God is teaching us something that we can look at and know in the natural realm, to compare something in the spiritual realm that we don't really understand how it works, but he is, guys, every single one of you guys and girls, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, he is causing there to grow in you a harvest of his righteousness. That's a different topic for Pastor Tim Case. I'm not going to leave that one, but I'm going to look at the second one just a second and say praise. And there is a harvest of praise and worship. Is it worth waiting for? Isn't God done with me? Aren't I a worshiper now? Yes, you are. But the fact is there is growth and there is a, see, there is vision in the heart of God that he wants to grow up in you a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of praise. It's going to be not just for you personally, but it's going to be before the nations. It's going to be from the nations, in the nations, to the nations, to, to God. But it's going, to be, it's going to be the worship. In other words, it's coming up. Come on, garden, help me out here. It's going to be that growing up. And it takes time. It doesn't, you know, the pumpkins. It's going to take a little bit of time. But then it begins to pop up. And it comes, and there's something in there that God is looking for. And there's a zeal in his eyes, and there's a passion in his heart to have a harvest of righteousness and praise. How is it going to come? It's going to take its time, but it's coming. And it's coming in you, and it's coming in every one of you. And, then, and God's going to send you to the nations with his righteousness and with his praise and everything. Oh, it's just going to be wonderful. So where am I at? All right, so this is what God is growing in his garden. He's growing. Well, who is his garden? Say me. Me. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. You are the garden of the Lord inside of you, and the seed is already in the ground. 
Even though sometimes, do you ever feel like my flower beds in March? Hard and cold and lifeless and like, what am I doing? How did I get to Bible school? What in the world am I doing here? I don't feel him. I don't sense his presence. I don't know what, he doesn't talk to me. I don't hear. Hard, cold ground. It's called March. Don't run out to Lowe's. Not even Home Depot. Just wait on God. There is a growth principle in all of creation. Look at what's happening out there. There's Dandy Lycan. Watch him. Stand here and watch him grow. There it is. They just keep the grass, right? Josiah, they just keep coming. It's like, got to mow it again. That's to illustrate. That's a flannel graph. That's a comparison. That's a whatever you call it. To teach you that there is a growth principle in God. That the true harvest of righteousness and praise that he and a life of worship that he's going to raise up from you, out of you. He's going to multiply the anointing on your life. Okay, let me go to a third analogy. And that is of a road. Oh, I said that like back to the future. We're on, where we're going, we don't need roads. But you have to watch the movie to get anything out of that. Okay. But God is laying in you in these years, in these times right now, an unseen foundation that's going to be able to bear the weight and support the weight, the visible expressions of worship and praise, much like a road. You ever watched a road being built? You ever have any idea? I mean, you get out there in your car and crank it up and go. Do you have any idea what's under the surface of that asphalt that you're driving on? Is it just like asphalt on ground, on dirt? Is there anything beneath him that supports that driving surface? Would you put this, this um, I want to show you, this is a cool picture. I didn't make this myself. I have an internet. But you look at these different ones. These are the different things that happen. What you do is the uh, top one, that's what you drive your car, that's what your wheels of, of your car are on. They have to dig down, and you can even get the millimeters for each one. Every single one of those layers beneath the surface has a purpose. Without that kind of foundation, the road would not support the weight of your vehicle. So you have to have the foundation, and it has to be built solid. I trust you can see the analogy in worship. And what you also have to realize, this doesn't take too much, um, some, some common sense, but if you're doing this cleaning and graveling and then overall ground level, you got to start from the one on the bottom first. Does that make sense? That makes sense. In other words, you can't put the asphalt on that you're going to drive on and say, oh, we should tuck underneath it some, uh, some wet mix uh, becadim and, and some blah, blah, blah. You start in the bottom. You know what God is doing with you at Elam, with you in your life, before Elam, during Elam, after Elam? That he's laying in you, in the unseen part of who you are, a foundation that he's going to at some point say, all right, Let's put that asphalt on the top, and then people are going to walk all over you, metaphorically speaking. But they're going to come, and they're going to see you. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be traffic on your life, and it's called the ministry. And God's going to be sending you because you've got a, a stable and a firm, solid foundation under the surface. It's not just a matter of, hey, put some asphalt down so I can drive my car. There's more to it. There's more to it. And you have to be patient. Just like the plant that comes up so slowly. Come on, pumpkins. There's more to it. Let God do what he's doing. Is God, does God know how to build a road? Does God know how to build you? Yeah. And the same principle is true of the ocean. All right.
Who knows what a sinkhole is? Ever heard about a sinkhole? Do you, Becca? You know what one is? Do you? Who wants to call out a uh, textbook or otherwise definition of a sinkhole? I mean, what actually is it? What's it, what's it look like? You know what it is? It looks like a hole in the ground. That's sunk? Yeah. A sunk hole or a sinkhole. Exactly. Do you know how they're formed? This, by the way, has a purpose. Pardon? Erosion, good. And, but the erosion is where? Not on the surface, under the ground. Ooh, making the connection with this analogy as well, okay? So it usually happens where there's like limestone under the ground or there's like rock salt or something because surface water, it rains, it snows, whatever, and then the water has nowhere to go, so it goes, it soaks into the earth, which sounds really cool. It's just that it gets down to the limestone and the rock, rock, rock types that are easily dissolvable. And what happens? It begins to wash it away. But the thing is, you don't know it from the surface because like the surface is just... And you're walking on it, driving on it, and until, stick up that first slide, would you, of, of these two? I want you to see what happens. Under the surface, this is the, this is the road you were on recently, maybe. I'm, I don't know that for sure. But for a long time, I'm guessing, what, what, what you're seeing right now, which is a sinkhole under the ground. Nobody planned on that when they built the road there. But the fact is, the kind of rock that was under there, the water came little by little, little by little, and it washed it away. You see the devastation that can happen on the surface when I have things in my life that are, I think, unseen. But actually what's happening is deep down inside, they're eroding away. It's called erosion. Like you said, it's wearing away something of a foundation that like a good road is meant to be something to hold it up, hold up the surface so I can drive my car safely on it. Without it, I end up with this. How about the second picture, Ian? Here's another one. Isn't that your vehicle right there? No, I, I don't think so. In other words, the whole thing just went, ah, oh, that's all, and it sunk. It just dropped. And so now you've got, you know, you imagine that if you had your vehicle just sitting there. Now, there's, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a Chevrolet Corvette Stingray. Don't put, put this up yet. I don't know, I have a history with them, not that I've ever, I've seen them, I've never driven one. Before I die, bucket list stuff, I'm going to drive one. But I, there's no way I could afford it. Anyway, um, let me just give you a feel f- for this car. Uh, they're still making them. The price is, well, for a new one, a 2023 20, is probably $62,000, $62,000 ish, give or take a few pennies. All right? If you can appreciate this, we're talking about 670 horsepower. All right, so there's some serious speed with some serious fun. Very, very nice car. Would you put up a picture of a 2020? There it is. You don't see those in most parking lots, at least around here. They're, they're very, very nice vehicles. Now, that makes it hard to even uh, express to you how I can connect that with a sinkhole. But in 2014, in February, I forgot the date. I think it was the 14th. Um, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, is the Corvette Museum. And it looks like it just happened suddenly. Actually, for years and years, underneath the parking lot, where cars like this were parked, years and years, erosion, 
wearing away. You're waiting for the next picture, aren't you? Ooh, what's it going to look like? $62,000. It's just eroding. But no one, no one knew. It's very quiet. It just eats away. It erodes away. Gone. And then on that night, in only a few moments, the parking lot gave up the ghost, opened up a hole 40 feet wide, 30 feet deep. Show us what that looks like, Ian. They look like toys. That's the actual picture. These are irreplaceable, priceless. You can only imagine the money. So it's like one of these that, that they never got back was like the millionth Corvette that was made. I mean, like, you know, they hold esteemed places and they were all nicely uh, parading or they're showing in this, this parking lot. Uh, which is, again, when the scene is not supported by the unseen. That's what happens. Are you making the connection? Of course you are. When this visible or the vis, let's make up a new word. I'll put it in the brother dictionary. <laughs> when the visible aspect, I just got that one. <laughs> when the visible is not supported by the invisible, when the seen is not supported by the unseen, when something is going on like a cancer, an erosion beneath the surface, I don't even know what's coming all at once. Boom. That's why it's called a sinkhole. And with it, now those are just vehicles. I know if you own a Corvette or appreciate a Corvette, it's not, you can't say that's just a vehicle. But if you realize that what that parking lot represents is you and your ministry, and the Corvettes that are sitting on that parking lot are priceless, irreplaceable, valuable human lives, that if you sink and you drop, because the unseen in you was not supported, or the seen was not supported by the unseen. And you had allowed some kind of cancer, some kind of thing coming in. You don't even know it was there, because it's very quiet. But little by little, over the years, the erosion was happening. And all at once, it's like that. A fall, a moral failure, something. And with it, you don't just go down alone. You take all the Corvettes in your church with you. You take all the priceless, irreplaceable people with you. And Jesus doesn't think too highly of that, does he? You can get into the whole aspect of the, the millstone around the neck. Better that you were doing that than you ever born. So anyway, then cause one of the little ones to stumble. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Worship. I love it. I'm going to do it until my last breath. But worship, I'm going to do it after my last breath. <laughs> that was just an insight for me right there. Because I'm never going to stop, ever. But I do worship. I teach it. I lead it. I write it. I love it. But this thing has to come in. Has to, has to, has to, has to touch me inside. Has to touch, always has to touch me inside. Do you know the fear that I have in my heart for the position that I'm in? Because you have the audacity sometimes to listen to me. To write down what I say and to believe what I'm talking about. And that's scary. Because you're going to go out of here and you're going to teach somebody else. Some of you have notes from my classes like, what oh, Brother Dick said. It's like the prophetic voice or something. And I'm very honored that you say that. But then I look back at my own life and say, God, please. Please. Sinkholes are sneaky. Sneaky. They're scary. 
Because that stuff quietly happens, and I have to say, God, will you search me and know my heart and try me? If there's anything of that, if there's anything in me, I'm pointing back there. You're looking up there. Same thing. It doesn't really matter. All those things, Lord, I just want you, and I want you to have your way if there's something inside of me. He searches much deeper within through the way things appear, and he's looking into your heart. He knows what's there. He knows it's there right now. He knows it. He knows it. And he wants you to be aware of it. He wants you to care about what's going on in the unseen depths beneath your life. In the bottom of the ocean, under the ground, in your garden, in the different layers, each one essential, but the different layers of the roadway called your life. So that we don't have beneath the roads and beneath the parking lots of your life a quiet, deadly, cancerous sinkhole slowly forming. It's just, just a little compromise. A little more, a little more. You know how erosion works. Pretty soon you hear the crack. and wonder how, how it started. Affairs never start in bed. They start with a glance. That's all it takes. Just a thought. And then that seed is planted there. And it's not a good seed. And it begins to open up. Guys, worship is more than just a song. And God is looking for more. I mean, Matt, Matt Redman said that. <laughs> yeah. But he did. And he taught us something true. God is looking for more than a song. In fact, Jesus said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts far away from me. That verse always scares me. In other words, they're saying on the, on the external, on the surface, they're saying the right words, they're singing the right words. They honor me with their lips, with what the songs they're singing, it's all good. He said, but their heart, that's beneath the surface. That's what's down below in the depth. He said, their heart is far away from me. There's been a disconnect, in other words, between their heart and their mouth. And that's dangerous. Because I'm thinking that if I can just keep singing the songs and stay current and have a good band and, and all this different stuff that I'm, as a worship leader, that should solve it. I should just be able to keep going. But un underneath is the slow trickle and the drip, 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 drip of water. It's dripping down in the limestone and the rock salt in my life and eroding it away slowly. Don't even notice it. Can't even feel it. Drip, drip. You all have a life of worship. God has been birthing in you a life of worship. He's been growing it as the soil takes, as the garden takes the seed and brings forth fruit. God's been doing that in you. It's not just been for you. It's been for, to, to be able to, to cause you to be a roadway a garden, a highway for people to find God and find God in the stability of your life and your heart. The visual stuff, I said it in the very first sentence or so, the visual stuff is crucial. But listen to me. Listen to this statement I want to make. In worship... The unseen is what gives substance and power and presence to the worship expressions above the surface in the scene. The unseen is the place of the presence of God 
and of true spiritual authority. Have you noticed that worship services are not all created equal? Some you go in, it's like, okay, that was cool. Lifeless. And it wasn't even just the song. Sometimes the songs can be like, ooh, nice. But you leave as hungry as you felt when you came in because you didn't really meet with the presence of the living God. And some you walk in, and maybe it isn't even the best musicians, but something about it has got, oh, it's got weight. It's got stability. It's got strength. It's got presence. It's like I didn't even account for it. It's like they aren't that good. The band up there isn't that good. But it's like, oh, my God just walked in the room. I can't. There is no formula that I can give you. I can't write books enough to try to make this happen that you can, ooh, and you can get this thing. I'm just saying there is a difference. But what is under the surface? That's all I want you to get today is that one thought in case you asleep for a couple of my analogies. That's all I've really said is there is a connection between the two. And they have to remain connected. Otherwise, we worship him with our lips. We honor him with our lips, but our heart's far away from him. And he's never satisfied with that. And I believe that worship, I can't, God, can we, I, I, I don't quite have the words to, to say to you, but I believe that worship, we have to be careful that as we worship, as we, our worship leaders, our worship teams are just worshipers, like the Father is, is, is seeking for. We have to make sure that that experience is not, does not become just a, an end in itself a thing that I, that I, that I do because it's church or it's fellowship time and, or my own devotions. I just kind of like got to sing the song and do the thing. Notice that I've basically been holding on to this guitar and doing almost nothing with it except for a couple little here and there. Not interested in that. I'm interested in something that's, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about something far more significant right now. You won't have another chapel like this the rest of the year. Well, how many do we have? Huh, almost none. You haven't had any like this probably in your whole life. But I want you to see something for once. That it's not generated by a, a band. As good as the band is, as good as the worship leaders and teams are. It doesn't start there. It's just generated by the spirit of the living God inside of a human spirit right here. Where, where face to face we meet with God. Out of that place, true worshipers, spirit and truth. That's what the Father is looking for. I want to give my Father what he's looking for. I want to please his heart. I don't know how to say this to you. Don't allow it. Don't ever allow worship to become just a thing, just a surface level, visual, audible experience of song, 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 song. But sometimes I think maybe the best expression of worship that... that we could do is give give the band the day off show up on Sunday morning and get on our face I'm not saying we have to do that ever or even have to do it every week I'm just saying that maybe once in a while maybe there's something they say God is there anything in me is there an erosion happening beneath I'm not even aware I don't feel it we're talking about discernment that goes beyond your five senses Oh, Jesus. Can we stand? I just want to sing the first verse or so or the chorus of Here I Am to Worship. And would you just present yourself to him? We really can't do any more than what we can do. But what we can do is listen to maybe something today 
some analogy, some truth, some humor, something stuck. It's a line, it's a word that we're remembering right now. And just say, Lord, on the basis of what appears to be truth that I've heard today, I want to present myself and say, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. And here I am to say, you're my God. and I will have no other gods before you. Sing it with me. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely and altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Father, as we walk out of here today, all that I can pray and I can ask that we would agree together that what you have started in the garden you've started in the heart inside of us, in the heart of worship, that you've been growing inside of us. And we thank you for all the experiences and the times and the in, in your presence and worshiping you and submitting and surrendering and offering our hearts again to you as an act of worship, our bodies presented as a living sacrifice to you. We dedicate ourselves just one more time, one more brick in the wall, one more, one more opportunity to say thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're growing. Thank you for what you desire to do inside of us. Lord, we ask you to save us from sinkholes. We ask you to make us so painfully, if need be, aware of where we actually stand with you. It will take stock and sink our heart towards you, open our heart towards you, open our face towards you, and allow you to do in us what you desire to do. Father, I want to see these brothers and sisters 10 years from now, when they've gone from Elam, walking with you, serving you, worshiping you, serving in worship, worship leaders, worship teams. And I pray that you, as the only one who can do it, would work in our hearts and have your way. You search much deeper within, through, past, beyond the way things appear. And you look into our heart, look into the depth of the ocean that's called me, look into the garden, and I am your garden. Look beneath the surface and find something good. And if there's something there that's not pleasing to you, just fix it, please. Deliver, adjust, heal, do what you need to do. We do love you today, and thank you for the time to be together. Thank you for the patience that my brothers and sisters have shown by me coming in with something so very different. But may it be valuable to them as we go Bless the food we have, the lunch together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.